Welcome back to Soul Savvy's Podcast. I'm your host, Q Ling, and uh, we have a special guest on this episode, uh, immaculate Grammy-nominated pianist, producer, composer. He has a plethora of uh, uh, his, his catalog is, is tremendous. He's worked with Miss Dionne Warwick, Roots, uh, Josh Stone, Esperanza Spalding. The list goes on and on. We do like a two-hour podcast to list all his credentials. He's also... <laughs> Uh, currently <laughs> uh, part of the Hulu original series music. Uh, he's done the, the music score soundtrack of uh, Life and Beth starring Amy Schumer. Also co-music stories. Uh, musical score is uh, Timo Elliston. Y'all give it up right now for Mr. Ray Angry. How you doing? I'm doing great. It's an honor to be here. Oh, no problem. I, I appreciate you taking time out of your schedule to yeah. do this interview. Uh, most how I do my interviews, I get straight to it's mostly for all the music nerds in America. Uh, so mm-hmm. we get straight into music, musical conversations, and I usually start off my musical conversations. I call it the the musical genesis for our guests. Uh, uh, okay. uh, not not uh, I don't think it's blasphemy. It's just something I came up. But uh, I want to start okay. with I <laughs> I know you're from Albany, Georgia, and uh, you raised in uh miami florida but i know yeah. in terms of just your ear in your your childhood at bringing what was was there any particular artist or musician that your ear gravitated to when you were a kid when i was a, how old were you, were you, yeah. just, just whatever whatever uh in your childhood you remember like gravitate to an artist an artist or musician uh I'm not gonna lie. The first thing that I that caught my ear when I was at, when I was really young was uh, the group Take Six. Okay. Yeah, that was that really caught my ear. Take Six, and because um, when I, I grew up in Miami, so I grew up around a lot of gospel music. You know what I mean? And so um, I was really into Commission. Oh my! Mm-hmm. I, I loved. Commission. I lost it. You know, I lost you. Okay. You're good. You know the group Commission, the gospel group Commission? Yeah. Oh, yeah, for sure. Marvin Sab, Fred Hammond. Yeah, oh, yeah, yeah. Sure. That was, that was, was my 90s R&B gospel. Yeah, yeah exactly. Exactly. <laughs> there was also, and, and also, there was another artist um, who I was really into who was doing, who was, he was doing a lot of instrumental music. He was doing instrumental covers of, um, of R&B songs, his I forget his name. Um, oh my God, this brother's name. He was he was a, a saxophone player, but he also played flute, I believe. Oh man, I see this guy's name. He did a version. He did a version of um, "Sweet Love." Oh my God. Oh. Oh, this guy was amazing. Um, I can't think of this, this guy's name. Oh my <laughs> goodness. Anyway, it's, it's killing me. But anyway, um. But gospel music was the first thing that I really got into. But Take Six and their harmonies, oh my God, that just really drove me crazy trying to figure out what that was. Um, mm-hmm. 
but um there's so much music i grew up i mean also uh, oh, this is a fun fact when my one of my first piano teachers teachers in miami was um he was um how the best way to describe him he was a baroque specialist when i walked into this guy's house he had every harpsichord that was ever made in the world oh wow <laughs> like crazy that's so i grew up with this crazy classical you know uh, uh you know expert experts teaching me um you know my oh my god you walk into this guy's house it was every harpsichord every type of clavichord every type of forte piano he had he was a specialist in in baroque music and um i learned so much from that guy but then i had that and also had the gospel um that element there you know as, as a young child growing up so but yeah take six was my group in that in that same vein of question was there any musician to where because i know you started out playing the french horn was there anybody um any musician that you gravitated to besides in the church realm like in terms of uh a global recording artist that was like oh i want to play how they're playing type of musician so this is another fun fact um there was a there was a a classical pianist who, uh, his name was Dean. To show you how big this guy was, this guy flew around, he flew around the world in private jets. He was wow. like, he was a wow. classical pianist, but he played gospel music. So he would play before mm -hmm. thousands and thousands of people. He was like the Joel Osteen of piano playing. You know what I mean? He was just that guy. <laughs> and, and you know, my father was, my father was so crazy. My father, when I first started playing, my father heard me Plucked. I was the, I, I think the first thing I played with, I, I was going, uh, I was like, that's the first thing I ever played on piano. And without me oh, knowing wow. how to play, because after okay. church, there'd be other kids playing. Because uh, one kid would go, yeah <laughs> whatever that melody is anyway and right. um and we were all just jam and that's how i learned how to play piano and my oh, father wow. um he was he it just drove him crazy he was like oh my god look at my son you know and so he <laughs> immediately got me into piano lessons and he was my biggest hero and he took me he knew how much i loved piano so he took me to this classical concert to see dino and we were sitting in the front row and he, I don't know what happened. I don't know how I got on stage, but my father told this man, he was talking to the audience. He was like, oh, da, 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 da. The, the Dino was talking to the audience and my dad was, he said something, oh, my son plays piano. And Dino was like, oh yeah. And I went on stage and played piano before thousands and thousands of people. And this man just, wow. he was so kind. <laughs> to let me play piano on his stage. It was a beautiful, I think he was a, a Yamaha or a Kawaii artist. The, okay. Kawaii, I think he was a Kawaii artist. But anyway, um, that was um, that was my first experience playing piano uh, before a live audience was sitting in on this guy's concert who was a world-class pianist. I mean, this guy oh, was wow. like, he was like the Liberace of, in, a in the Christian world. He right. Huge. 
guy named Dino. Anyway, okay. that was dope. That you know what you're you're oh when I when I really looked up to your story and I just just really was like researching you like way before then I was like this guy a story mirrors mine because you were talking about how you were learning classical and jazz music and that's how I learned as well and it for me I didn't think gospel music I was a heathen I when I started playing in church i was playing r&b chords so i was playing yeah. <laughs> I, I, I would play prince erotic cd religiously on the organ so oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> and i would I mean, try to disguise it yeah it was just fun trying to disguise those chords right in exactly. a church where nobody could see it and i didn't understand gospel mu music till i started i was like oh i was connecting the dots with yeah. like I started playing jazz chords because that's how I was trained first with classical jazz music. And I was like, oh, this kind of sounds like blues chords a little bit. And so yeah. how did, how did, what age was that for you when those musical dots were connected in terms of all those uh, genres kind of meshing together? Well, unfortunately for me, I wasn't allowed to listen to the radio. So I wasn't playing R&B <laughs> chords in church. Right. <laughs> <laughs> it might be a Baptist thing because uh, I think Baptists are mostly heathens. I think if you any yeah. other denomination, it wasn't allowed. Yeah, yeah. Baptists I, don't I really care. In, I grew up Pentecostal, so they were yeah. very, 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 very strict. You know, oh, yeah. but um, but once I got old, once I got older, um, yeah, in terms of like playing R and B songs during church service or whatever. Oh yeah, everyone does that. Yeah, you know, I was yeah. often. I'll tell you this. You know, it's funny because. Um, one time I was playing in church, this is uh, around the time I was um, at Howard University and I was just getting an itch to move to New York. And I was playing in church and, and at one point I felt like, man, this is like scoring a movie. I said that, mm -hmm. you know, I said that to myself. Because sometimes you, when you're a musician, when you're playing in the church, you're setting the tone for the service. Right. You know you're like mm -hmm. the orchestrator. You like the music before the credits come on. You like the music before the, yes. you know, when they're saying who the production company is, you know, when they're doing a call of worship, you know, you know, after the right. sermon, you're doing it. All right. Who wants to, who wants to be with the Lord? You know, you got the organ, all right, organ, right. Organ, put me in E flat. <laughs> right, <laughs> right, right, right. <laughs> right, you know. <laughs> all to Jesus I surrender. Yes. You know what I mean? Yes. So, that's the vibe. And, and I, you know, you know, and so I was like, man, I always wanted to get into film scoring. So anyway, it's just, it's funny now that I'm scoring a lot more movies, you know, mm -hmm. during this time of my life, you know, but anyway, church, that's where it all began for me, for real. And, and just to, just to harp a little bit more and get it, get into a death with it. Church, like what you said is the improvisation of it is like similar to jazz. What I realized, I'm like, most of the time it was, I grew up old school. I don't know. Uh, I know it's different now for these newer musicians, but I had the bassist and the guitarist, like with 30, 40 years in, you know, they played, you know, seventies, you know, <laughs> gigs there. They like retired blues players and stuff. So they go back and they were like one take type of rehearsal guys. Like it wasn't no, Oh, we're going to sit yeah. through this three, four times. You got to get it then. But right. have you, uh, has discipline, that kind of discipline in uh, playing gospel music, being in church, how did that hone your skills as a musician as you move forward trying to do it professionally? Uh, I, I'm going to be very honest with you. I, I think, okay, 
So here's the best way I can answer that because there's there's definitely like church culture that's mm-hmm. totally different from anything else. You know what I mean? And I think it has. I'm gonna be honest with you. I think it has its limitations because mm-hmm. yes, a lot of church musicians, you know, they carry around this this like this level of arrogance that's really like goes against what right. the fuck they're playing and shit. You know what I'm saying? And that yes. shit annoys me to no end, which is why I don't play in church anymore. But anyway, that's right. a whole different thing. But anyway, um, not to say that the church isn't a good place to learn, but I think the church serves a, an extremely important service in terms of developing your spirituality or your or your awareness of that. And then also just being in, like, I think church helps you with being in tune with everybody around you. Right. It gives you that kind of focus because it gives you that that ear also. And that's the thing I think that's beautiful about playing in church is like you have to be present. Yes. So you have to be present. You have to be in tune with the, the congregation. Whoever's singing, if they're singing on pitch, you got to find them. And if they change keys and don't know what key they're singing, right. you got, you know, it's a lot of things yes. that, 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 you know, um, that, that you can learn from church that you don't learn in school. Right. You know what I'm saying? So it's, so I, you know, I, I know, I know both sides of the coin, you know, mm-hmm. uh, from, from, you know, just a school of hard knocks. But um, I think that definitely the church gives you that ear for sure, mm-hmm. you know, and that and that instinct to be able to mm-hmm. like just, you know what I mean? You right. Know, like you said, rehearsals. They don't want, yeah. yo, hey, man, I got an hour, man. I got to go. I got to go change my car. I got to go change the oil in my car. You know, ain't no, right. ain't no like, you know, right. uh, you know, sitting, sitting and learning the song for playing it 20 times. It's like in and out, you know? So, um, um, but yeah, that that's the beautiful part of playing in church. But I definitely don't like the the sort of like, because you know there were cats I was I was trying to learn from, but they were like real assholes about giving up the information. Yeah, right. What are those chords, nigga? Right. Damn, nigga, you don't want to share the fucking chords, nigga. I am gonna go learn on my own, motherfucker. All right, cool. Yes. (laughs) You're 100 percent right. You know what I mean? All the motherfuckers that didn't want to show me shit. Cool. <laughs> I'm good now, man. Thanks. You're, good you're right. Good, you, good you, you I, I learned. Right. <laughs> but, but the thing, yeah. but the thing, I hate that it has. I, I'm I'm not sure if it's like that now, but when I grew up in it, when I grew up playing in church, like it was like you know all this Me Too movement. That, that a lot of cats would have you know what I'm saying because <laughs> cats were very territorial about the right. church and they're very territorial about sharing information and it was sort of, sort of right. the, the mindset is sort of like either you got it or you don't which is fucking bullshit this is what right. i was told growing up oh right. this person's gifted uh, uh you ain't got it bro you just not gifted right. and that's what i grew up with and so i was like oh man well let me go study this bach this shit written out i can learn what those chords are right. and then i just kind of put two and two together and i just kind of kept listening and kept kept beat myself over what, what chord is that and then i took and then a here's where it really got interesting when i took harmony uh when i was taking advanced harmony um uh at howard university with one, one of my professors name was dr stone he's this guy was mm. he was awesome he was so mean he was so <laughs> mean but he was he was really honest and very like 
yo, that ain't it. Yo, right. that ain't it. You know what I mean? Right. Okay, that's yes. it. There you go. You got it. You know, yeah, you know right. those kind of teachers. And and he taught me how to hear a major seven. Yes, right, how to right, hear right. A dominant seven, how to hear a minor seven, how to hear an augmented right. seven. Yes. You know what I mean? Or augmented chord or you know, or diminished chord, you know. And so right. then I was like, oh, okay, I got it, you know. But it was um, you know, I think that um yeah anyway i had some awesome teachers and i you know i don't want to sound like i'm i'm not bitter i'm just joking at all i'm joking yeah. about the thing but i definitely appreciate the cast that didn't want to show me anything because it forced me right. to go figure it out right. you know what i mean and so you know you need that you need those kind of people and it's unfortunate like you know when cats are first coming up you gotta like you know you know, you gotta people just treat you badly, and then when mm. you're good, they love you. Right. You know? I understand. <laughs> it's that. like yeah. it's, being a musician is some fucked up shit. You know. Yes. Right. It's fucking some fucked up. You know, emotionally, it's fucked up because you right. know you're trying to do something, people don't really fuck with you, and then when you're amazing, they can't get enough of you. You know. It's mm -hmm. yeah. anyway. Um, you're, you're hitting dead on to my points that I make all the time with uh, talking about church because I haven't played church in almost 10 years. And it was mostly my own spiritual journey of research because I researched different faiths like Buddhism, Muslim, the different faiths. And I was always doing that. And then I realized, oh, this is kind of some bullshit, you know, uh, really delving into Christianity. And But as you were saying, it helps hone your skills uh, as a musician. But I, I, I my, like I said, my journey similar to yours because it got to the point where I felt like I was just boxed in creatively, yes. and I was like, I had so like you're hired to be a cold music director, but nah, that's too, that's too urban, that's too uh, art, that's too R and B, that's too rap. No, we don't like that. You gonna play oh, it how you do it, and like, oh, I can express myself or if I take professional gigs and so yeah. you're what you're saying is dead on because it's a lot of I, what I notice about church musicians I feel like it's a different energy and sometimes church musicians that do it kind of falls into like it's a church musician versus a professional musician thing because sometimes they take that energy to professional gigs in terms of the shedding like I'm just gonna you know solo for 20 minutes and it's like no you gotta be in pocket yeah you well, and yeah, but I feel like well, that's just, more of the culture. Well, I will say this. I will say this. I, yo, what you just said is it's a whole lot. Yo, in terms of like, and in, in, when I went to Howard, that when I went to Howard University, that was when I actually learned Black history. Right. As because I had, the, I had the top. African American studies uh, um, scholars, you know, mm -hmm. teaching me about Africa, teaching me about my heritage, and uh, and during this time I was I was doing these studies. My mother was also in school too because she was working on her um, she was working on her master's degree, but she was also going to uh, uh, seminary school, and nice. she was also learning all of these things, you know, because mm -hmm. once you start studying Christianity, when you pull the veil over 
you know, when you open right. the veil and you like look inside and see what's going on, you say, Oh, wait a minute. Wow. wow. The Council of Nicaea, who with them niggas, you know? Right. What? What? Then you look at the Greece and Egypt and you say, oh, these people were trying to wipe away. The Romans single-handedly wiped away our history. Yes. You know what I mean? Anyway, I'm not going to get deep into that. But anyway, um, but Western civilization definitely did its course in terms of just erasing Black presence in human development. You know what I mean? So when when you go into church, and you and you get into the space where people um, are self-serving. Some people, actually, because you know people love position, they love to be in charge. You know, right. they love to be seen. So it's a place. Be- so the church oftentimes becomes like um, like a theater gig. You know, where people know oh, that's my seat or this is my position, whatever. But right. um, but aside from that, I think um, when you talk about musicians playing on gigs outside of the church you know it's definitely you know when i was up you know cat a lot lot of church cats were doing r&b gigs and they don't know it but they changed the sound of the music yes r&b music but what Mm -hmm. they did realize they also changed the business side of the music too yes because now you have record companies saying oh these gospel musicians they work for cheap Yes. Out of right. their share rooms. Oh, come mm-hmm. on. And so, you know, you know, <laughs> oh, I mean, I'm not going to get into that aspect of it. But now, but what I'm happy now is that you have this new era of, I would call them, um, new era of musicians who are really awake, who have, right. you know, like my friends, like Adam Blackstone, Derek Hodge, uh, you know, uh, D- uh, Dante Winslow. These cats, you know, you know, take from the take from great elements from playing in church, but also adds it to jazz, adds classical elements in there. And then you have a whole now you have a, this whole new era of musicians that that are really doing great business, mm-hmm. creating creating um, creating uh, brands for themselves, and really taking the music to the next level, not just gospel music, but just the culture mm-hmm. period. So I, I love this this new era era of musicians that, uh, of church musicians, so to speak. Yeah, and my friends like right. Cedric Mitchell, who, you know, these cats, you know, you know, can tear a church up, but then can right. go on a, a, on a Maxwell gig and right. just, you know what I mean? And yes. overplay. You know what I'm exactly. saying? So I, I right now, or even like Travis Sales, like you know these, you know these, these are my mm-hmm. guys, man. And it's a new mm-hmm. era, and you know, so I don't want to, I don't want to come across as like hating on church musicians. You know what I mean? Right. Because, uh, some of my really good friends are just really moving the needle right now, and I'm loving it. You know, really, really love it. And these guys inspire me. You know what I'm saying? Right. Um, so. Anyway, that's all I'll say about that. <laughs> yeah, no, I, I say it all the time because it's like I think it's a little, you know, just a little, little baby tap of, you know, getting them in line. I think it's an important conversation. Just like with, I think there's a whole thing with musicians and singers, the way they communicate. I think, you know, musicians communicate on a whole different level. Like you could just say like, you know, part, and they like they get exactly what you're talking about. Like, okay, it's it, huh, 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 you know, this part. And then singers, their vocabulary is a lot more. It's like, okay, I'm gonna take the bottom note, you take the top note. And sometimes musicians and singers, 
that isn't there. But I think if everybody gets on the same page, they could, it'll be a perfect marriage with music. But just in the vein of your, uh, I know your, I think your, you said your first gig was with Shy in terms of touring. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. I was uh, what, yeah, that was my first gig. Yeah. What um. What was the intent? Was it just someone calling you? What, did you have any intention of doing it professionally like that? Or was it just an opportunity that just happened? Yo, it was it was an opportunity that just happened just like that. My my boy, Chris Dave, I was uh, my boy, Chris Dave was like, hey, man, what you doing? Amazing. Amazing drummer. <laughs> yo, yeah. Yo, yo, man, yo, you should go on. You should go on tour with Shy. Really? Uh, okay. <laughs> And they called me, you know, and so because it was he. I think he was supposed to do it, but Chris didn't do it because Chris was going to do mid condition. Oh. So I was super shy, and he was with mid condition. But he actually, because he Darnell, Darnell, who was one of the lead singers for um for shy, you know, he was. I mean, this guy is he's such an awesome dude, you know. And he called me, and um uh, and I was I was like nineteen. Fresh, you know, sophomore, and they asked me to go on the road because they just had a big hit, and you know, mm-hmm. um, and they, uh, and Arsenio Hall, loved them and brought them out to L.A. and then the record company there with them with Gasoline Alley on MCA Records, mm-hmm. you know, and we were out in L.A. and um, and it's funny because I was at the Grammys one year and I actually saw the pre- the guy who was the president of that record company. And I wonder oh, wow. if you would ever recognize me, but I totally remember that guy. But anyway, uh, uh, remember MCA Records? Yeah, for sure. Uh, yeah, was- with Mary J. Blige and uh, yeah, yeah. I think I, Teddy Riley, all of them. Yeah, yeah with Uptown exactly. Records. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah, yeah right. exactly. So, um, yeah, that was an interesting time. Interesting time. That That's amazing. And I wanted to know... Um, in terms of just connecting the music dots, because there's a lot of different artists that I say, like a musician, musician, and an artist, artist like Prince. Like me understanding music was like whoever my favorite musician was. I, I like to follow the lineage of their musical roots. So Prince, I'm like, I'm tracking his music and I'm listening. I'm like, okay, Miles Davis, Sly Stone. Mm-hmm. I hear a little beaver in there. I hear like all these different sounds and then go, uh, and the Sheila, you know, all those different elements. And then you hear uh, George Clinton inspiring uh, Rick James and you just following that lineage. Was there any was there any time like with your um, your style? Did you curate your style listening to certain musicians or was it just something that developed with being trained and classically trained and jazz trained? Did it just all come together or was it something intentional? that you were trying to do with your musicianship in terms of studying rates and following whatever pattern your favorites were doing? You know, I was, I listened to everybody. You right. know what I mean? Like I listened to everybody, Lau Mays, Herbie Hancock, um, George Duke, mm-hmm. um, Rachmaninoff, WC, Scriabin, uh, mm-hmm. you know, the, you know, uh, Prokofiev, you know, um, Lily, Lily, Lily Boulanger. Um, mm-hmm. I've so many musicians, 
Art Tatum, Oscar Peterson. So I try to listen. Honestly, I try to listen to everybody. Even today, like I'm always searching for new, um, you know, new composers to listen to, new musicians, even if there's someone I don't know. And I, you know, and I'm like, yo, what's that? I'm, you know what I mean? So I try to stay, I try to stay open. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. That's that's my vibe. Even when I was in college, you know, I always had this sense of, I don't want to just do one thing because I always felt like, you know, when you just only good at one thing, then that one thing controls you. Right. You know what I mean? And if you don't, you know, what if you only play classical? What if you're the baddest classical motherfucker on the planet? Right. But no one's listening to classical music. Everyone's listening to right. trap. Right. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. mm -hmm. What are you going to do? Not, mm -hmm. not work? You know what I mean? So I always <laughs> wanted... I, I just, yeah, I always felt like, you know, I wanted to be, I wanted to be that guy that could walk into any room. It, it could be like with a country artist, you know, I'm good. It could be with the symphony orchestra, I'm good. It could be with, with you know, a gospel group, a jazz trio, I'm good. I, I just never wanted, I never wanted to have any limitations. Mm -hmm. um, and plus, I love, plus, honestly, I love music. You know what I mean? I love I love music. I love creating music. And it's just, it's, it's just fun. You know, I think, yeah. I think yourself in a box is so boring. You know, you do the same thing every day. That shit gets tired and boring. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. Discovering new music, just sort of just, I don't know, just nice. Me up. That you're, you're speaking to a lot of things that I think most musicians, I think that don't do it full time, struggle with it because they just do maybe one genre and that's it. And they don't know yeah. how to step outside of the bounds. And most of the time, I think what you're saying, like, because I felt that way a lot of times when you're boxed in, creativity is just it comes scores to where, you know, you don't really do anything. But if you like you said, venture out you know, your the ideas start to come. I think Herbie Hancock, he quoted Miles Davis. Um, he was talking at some kind of clinic or something he was talking I mean, he was talking at, and he was talking about how Miles, he was playing with Miles Davis at a club in New York. And he said his, he was having writers, he was having a block mentally in terms of trying to create, like he was doing the same notes. And he, and then Miles Davis could hear him while he was playing. I think during, one break, he he told him quit playing butter notes, and he's basically saying he was playing like the third, seventh note. And uh, uh, once I think Miles Davis said that to him, he said everything opened up. And uh, jazz legend Sonny Rollins had a great quote. He was talking about um, how he would try to get the the melody as best as he could, and then he would just whatever energy or spiritual spirituality take over. And I, uh, to me that like opened my eyes to like, Oh, just play it simple basically is what I got from that. You don't have to overthink it and let the creativity flow. But is there any um, veteran musician uh, besides, I know uh, your jazz teachers and all that, but is there anybody in the industry that you look to like that in terms of getting inspiration from that gives you great advice like that? Oh man. This is perfect. I have a perfect quote I just learned. Um, Stravinsky, who is one of my, you know, I wish I, I wish I could meet this guy. I feel like he would be like an uncle to me. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. He's just, he's so brilliant. But I think uh, 
I, the quote is the quote that I just learned recently uh, was he said that great. Um, he said, "Good composers borrow. Mm-hmm. Great composers steal." <laughs> That's perfect. <laughs> That's perfect. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Yes. You know what I mean? <laughs> that That's fantastic. All right there. That's yeah. It all. You know that um, Stravinsky. That says it all. And also, also, you know, one of my mentors, uh, Mogul Miller, um, I remember when I first moved to New York, or oh, I was first thinking about moving to New York when I was right out of college, uh, right, out of, right out of Howard, um, he, he said to me, you could be a big fish in a little pond because I was living in D.C. and I, you know, had gigs and I was good. Mm-hmm. Or you could be a little fish in a big pond. That's right. and you know, and New York is that. Yes. You know, little fish swimming amongst all these legends, you know. And I chose the latter because um I've I you know, I've I often put myself in situations where I have to like they're rather stressful. Um mm-hmm. in that, you know, when you're like learning a new piece of music or learning a new style of music there is a there's a there's a learning period that you that you go through you know when you're you know developing or taking on new ideas and the frustration that you can feel when you're developing a new muscle um can be uh can can be rather hard to deal with but um but i'm happy that i chose to move to new york because it definitely um Working outside of my comfort zone was the best thing I could have ever done. It's always working outside of my comfort zone. Right. I'm always, always, always working outside of my comfort zone. So it's been so rewarding, so rewarding. So I recommend mm-hmm. that anybody that wants to be on a road or journey towards their dreams. And I think that's what really what it is. You know, if you have a dream, you got to like get get dirty, you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. You got to crawl and you got to walk and you got to, you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Anyway, yeah. Right. You had mentioned in an interview, um, I thought it was such a great thing you said, because I feel like that's what it is in terms of pursuing dreams and specifically with musicians talking about, uh, we're just what you're selling for. And I'm like, that, I feel like that is just a perfect phrase for... <laughs> A journey of a musician is failing forward, especially if yeah. you're in. I think most do you think most of failing forward is the challenge of being in a new space and a new energy because you're it's, it might be your first time in that realm, and so you're failing forward because you don't know anything about it, but you're taking a risk. Do you think that most of it is just the change of it that makes it like that? Um. Uh, yes, and I have to credit my my good friend Leslie Odom Jr., Odom Jr. who uh, who uh, who I first heard say that phrase because he wrote a book called Feeling For It," and I really mm-hmm. that just that mm-hmm. just made so much sense. You know what I'm saying? Because the other phrase that I love to that I love that I got from um, one of uh, one of my greatest mentors, 
Richard Nichols, who was the manager for the Roots. Um, yeah. He said, um, he, he said, no risk, no reward. You know what I mean? So I'm getting, you know, um, so I think, yeah, I think you got to take a risk. You got to take a chance on yourself. Otherwise, you're going to, you know, you're a slave to what you didn't want to do because it's going to mm -hmm. always hold you over your head like, oh, man, wish I would have, should have, could have. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. So I, right. I think um, I think I just never wanted to be in that space. I just, you know, I'm happy taking risks. You know, I moved to New York, didn't have a gig, didn't know nobody. I mean, I knew people, but I just one day I was I was playing at church and I was like, man, I got to get out of here. And I moved to New York and mm -hmm. it was a major risk because I was making really great money playing at this church, you know, um, mm -hmm. Parker Memorial. I love my Parker family. I miss actually miss playing. Um, I miss my Parker days. That was that was <laughs> good times. Yeah, you know, you know who came and played at my church, uh, Parker Memorial. My man John Blackwell. He played with. Uh, Ooh. He played drums for Prince. Yes, that rest on him, man. Greatest drummer, yeah. top five drummer of all time. That guy right yeah. there, man. Oh, I had yet yeah, one of our friends. Yet yeah, one of our friends, um, Kevin Sykes, was friends with him, and he came to the church and played. It just jammed out with us, and this guy plays with Prince. And then I had my yes. my mentor, Mulgrew Miller. He would meet me at church and give me piano lessons. Um, mm -hmm. Anyway, this that yeah, I missed the park my Parker days. Um, but yeah, yeah, musicians should definitely follow their dreams and and worry about the risk later. Not just you, musicians, you, anybody. Right. You yeah. kind of transitioned perfectly to my next question. Um, about your, I think your first uh, studio album you worked on was Joss Stone's uh, Soul Sessions. Yeah, that was and, my first yeah. studio album. Damn, you just, you on it, goddamn. <laughs> <laughs> that's, that's, what, that's what I do, that's what I do. Wow. But uh, wow. yeah, yeah. Um, that was I, I just, incredible. Right, and I, what I, the question I wanna ask in terms of, cause you, my band uh, creating an album in Miami, yeah very prolific songwriters and singer like uh betty wright rest on to her Ooh. the late great betty wright she just i think just embodied the singer singer in terms of being a student of music that's what i attribute that to people say singer singer musicians musician i feel like she was that in totality so i want to know what was it like working with that i know angie stone worked on that album you worked with her as well uh, what was it like? But specifically, since she was a Miami native, what was it like working with Miss Betty Wright? You know, Betty Betty Wright. God bless her. God bless her soul. Um, she was um, she was like a second. I, she was like a second mother. You mm -hmm. know what I mean? If it was a problem, <laughs> Betty. Da, 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 she 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 knew how to fix it. You know. And even with me, you know, that was um. Yeah. Anyway, I, there's so much I can say about Betty Wright. I learned so much from her, even because I was musical. I was Josh Stone's musical director, and Betty, mm -hmm. really, as a musical director, she she would definitely 
all right, baby, or when you do the ending, I just make sure you don't do that. You know, baby, don't do that. Okay, that's good. That was good. Love that. Love. You know what I mean? She was very, very, very helpful in terms of helping me to develop my musical director muscles. But doing a session with her, I mean, watching her work with Joss and helping her with her phrasing, helping her with her delivery, helping her with her voice placements whenever she would doing doing a phrase or whatever, or singing a verse or a chorus or whatever. Uh, she was just a master in the studio. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? And it was just great being a, around her. She was so, um, she was such a, uh, uh, a motherly figure and, mm-hmm. um, and, um, you know, I had a great time working with her and, and same with Angie Stone. Angie Stone was mm-hmm. really awesome. And I, and she was, um, cause I didn't know she played piano, you know mm-hmm. what I mean? And so meeting her was, was really great. But then also there was, uh, Cindy Blackman, Jack Daly, now Rogers. Mm-hmm. Ooh, it was just like, right. you know, and Steve Greenberg, you know, and Mike Mangini and, and Steve Greenwell, all these guys, man, were so, um, I just love all of them because they were so uh, giving and caring and, and gracious with me in terms of just, because that was my first studio session right out of these, out of college, you know, mm-hmm. and um, and it was so killing because we did this, we recorded this song called um, uh, You Had Me. And mm-hmm. after we recorded this, we had this long jam session, uh, you know, when, once we finished the record. And it, the room was rocking. And, you know, we, everything was, you know, when the song was done, everybody came into the control room, you know, uh, and everybody was like, oh, my God, that was amazing. We're all, we're all dapping each other up. Boom, 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 boom. Mm-hmm. And then all the lights go, go black. The whole city, the whole eastern seaboard was blacked out. The power went out. The power grid went out on the east coast, and and we we felt like man, we just we killed the lights in the city. You know, <laughs> it, was, oh, it was a great session. Oh man, it was a, what a great session that was. Oh my god, that was a beautiful memory. Yes, I, I just love talking about Miss Betty Wright because I feel like she's she's said all things. Hero. Yes, and just uh, the his- the history of TK Records, and you know, a uh, musician Willie Hill. His uh, stage name was Little Beaver. The work she did with him, yeah. her writing skills, writing skills was just impeccable. You know, and then I do this thing. I get I fade out. I like as a musician. I like to build a. a the the groove or the pocket around the voice of a musicer. So I'll just fade out all the music just to hear the vocals. And when I did it on Little Beavers, I can dig it, baby. I can I can dig it, baby. She's literally singing with him throughout the whole thing. Like I know it was a a session where they were singing together, but even when singing his lead part, she's singing underneath it. And it's like I always want to know if she did that intentionally or not. But just that skill to harmonize and her. She's had perfect pitch, but yeah, rest on the the late great yeah. Miss Betty Wright. But you know, the whole spit talking about getting into the music, mm-hmm. deep into the music. But uh, oh God, in terms, yeah. in terms of uh, you pursuing, what was it? Did you feel like you had to choose between okay, touring musician, I'm gonna do a studio session musician, or or backing musician? Did you have? Did you feel like you had to choose that, or was it just something that just naturally happened in in your journey? 
You know what? That's 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 such a great question because when I was in college, all I wanted to do was travel around the world and play music. Mm-hmm. So I wanted to be a touring musician. And so once I got to New York, that's what I pursued. You know, I was doing mm-hmm. gigs and I wasn't, you know, doing that studio session. That first one was the first bug into getting into the world of production, you know, mm-hmm. being in the studio because I was doing a lot. I was going, I was on the road. Like my, my life was crazy. I would go on the road with, I would, I would be one time. This happened. This was this happened for like three years. I was on the road with Kalise. Mm-hmm. No, I was on the road with Michelle and Diggiocello, and then I was on the road with Kalise. And then I would get off the road with Kalise and go work with Lauren Hill. Oh wow! When I was done with Lauren Hill, I'll go back on the road with Kalise. Kalise was on tour with uh, Britney Spears. Britney Spears, so, right? Yeah. So when Britney Spears, when she met that dude that she was the, the dancer, she's like, I was. Mm-hmm there when they met you know what I mean like <laughs> right, I was there right. I would see them I would see them backstage and he and mm-hmm. the dude would see me her guy the dancer guy he would see me and Kevin you know, something bro, yeah yeah right, bro's right. like you know bros and bros get the, when a bro gets the girl and, and he sees another bro, he's like yeah man I got her you know what I mean he gave me that look <laughs> like you know yeah you know like man that, this, this cat's crazy <laughs> <laughs> um, but anyway, so I would, that was a fun period, man. Just being on the, on the road with Khalees, being, you know, being at the best parties and then going to the studio with, with Lauren Hill and, you know, I'd be sitting around for hours and hours and hours and hours and hours. And, hours and then at two o'clock in the morning, okay, Miss Hill's ready. <laughs> and then I would go right. to the studio with her and then right. we stay in the studio till seven o'clock in the morning. Sometimes she'd be. Um, in the studio, and we be and we would work so late that she would fall asleep while while we're working. But we're still working. Yeah, in Brazil, we wake her up and she listen. Okay, that's cool. Okay, cool. Do it again, and then she go back to sleep. That was my life for a couple of years. That was fun. That was that was a, a fun. I I love I love Miss Hill to this day. She's she's been nothing but gracious with me, regardless of. People, whatever they might say, she. I love her so much, you know. Right. Um, yeah. I want to get to um, your production in terms of. Well, I want to. I want. I kind of jump into. I guess I jump into. It. You, uh, co-produced the. It ain't fair. The roots from the Detroit. Um, music. That's such a great song. I just love everything about wow. it. The way it was uh, arranged. It gave so much that classic feel with like Philly and National. That's what hearing like feel those those really great um like Gamble and Huff, those great songwriters. I wanna ask about the that it ain't fair, the roots um song of uh, the Detroit from the Detroit soundtrack. Uh, that was just a great comp- what I was saying was that um it gave me a good reminiscent of what like that song was perfectly placed for that soundtrack and um it gave that feeling of everything the angst of social justice and everything that was happening during that time to tell that story they gave that great feel of what the music of the times used to be during that period like you know great songwriters producers like gamble and huff it gave me a philly international feel it gave me even um uh willie mitchell's 
high production, like what he did with Sil Johnson and Al Green, it gave me mm. that feel. And also Curtis Mayfield, it gave mm. me that vibe with it. So, and Bilal's voice is incredible. So I feel like he's mm. the, he was a perfect artist to execute that song. But give me the feel of the, the whole process of creating that song. I know it was for the soundtrack, but what was, what was the creativity like creating that with the roots in Bilal? So, so basically, um, so you, you're asking what's my creative process with Questlove, basically. <laughs> oh, okay. <laughs> yeah. So, um, so whenever, like, like I love working with Quest, you know what I mean? Because it's just so it, it, when I work with Quest, it forces me to, like, I can't second guess my ideas. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? It's sort of like, okay, let's go. You know, you know what I mean? And so when we were working on that particular, on that particular track, you know, he, um, you know, he was, you know, approached me, of course, he's like, hey, man, we got another big one. Like, oh, okay, cool, cool, what's the vibe? And so he, I think he had a, I think they had like a sketch or something. They had a framework of what it was potentially going to be. But I think, um, I think what how it worked is um I was I played the initial played the initial part, the rose mm-hmm. part, and then and then I added strings and then I added mm-hmm. the horns and then I played the bass part. So I ba- basically structured the whole song. And then mm-hmm. and um and so I basically just, you know, just what is string what's the string apart? What you know what I mean? Just Right. Oh, we need some we need some strings. So I would literally just write a string part right then and there, you know. Okay. Bass. Now I, I mm-hmm. would play the bass and then um then the horns, you know, and then I think James Porzer played James Porzer played piano on it. And so nice. James is like, you know, that's you know, that's what that's my guy, man. Love him. Anyway, so um so yeah, and then so Black Thought, I think that they were Black Thought was working on the lyrics. So we were all just kind of, you know, piecing it together piece by piece. You know what I mean? I would play keys and then, you know, uh, and me and I would play, you know, play together and structure the song, whatever. And then they mm-hmm. just add elements. It's just like gumbo. It's like cooking. You just add this, or, you right. know, someone adds some cauliflower, some add some greens and you know what I mean? So that's pretty much mm-hmm. how that took place. And, and then we have such a, a great team, Steve Mandel, you know, engineering it and mixing it, you know. Um, I think uh that's pretty much how that how that worked. That that song. That was a great song. And then Fonte did the he did the vocal introduction to that song. Um, you know, which sounds like uh um Cooley High, you know, mm-hmm. the acapella. He did the acapella part of that song, um, the intro of that song. Um, yeah, that was a great experience. You've done so so many uh, work with so many artists. Like I said, I can't name all of them because it's like yeah. a laundry yeah, yeah. list of them. But just in essence, getting to musical uh, scoring, I know recently you uh, currently uh, the Hulu original series uh, Life and Beth, uh, starring Amy Schumer. Like I said at the top of the the podcast, that you did it with uh, Timo Elliston. I want to know what was it? Is it like I said? Is it the same thing with 
what, how did you know that you want to do that? Or was that just something, like I said, naturally happened in your career to what that you want to start scoring? Well, I, I, I always wanted to do film scoring and I think my passion and love for it increased as, as I got older, you know, because, um, um, I just, you know, I just love challenging myself and I feel like film music would allow me to explore everything that I love, electronic music, mm-hmm. jazz, hip hop, like, like film music, you could do anything. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. It's a, that's a space for creatives to create, you know what I mean? And also mm-hmm. music is, you're, you're a storyteller. So I'm also kind of, I'm also coming from a space of being a storyteller in terms of how I think about music and how I think about mm-hmm. like the stuff I'm writing and how it affects people and, and the, what's the messaging. Um, and so that's pretty much how that developed. And I think uh, with Life and Beth, I I first worked with Amy Schumer on Inside Amy Schumer, season mm-hmm. one, because I did a theme song for that. Right. Um, and so I've been working with her for a long time. And then when I did my first out, al- when I released my first album, Great Angry One, and I sent it to her, she was so supportive. She loved it, you know, and she was pregnant at the time. And so she would play my album all the time while she was pregnant, playing it for her son, you know. Um, and so then when she was about to give birth and she did Expecting Amy, then I also played on that score as well when she did a comedy special. And then um, and then when Life and Beth, uh, came around, she reached out to me and said, hey, listen, I would love for you to be a part of this. And I was like, oh, my God, mm-hmm. I'm honored. And so that's how that happened. So now I'm actually in the process of working on Inside Amy Schumer season five. So it's oh, wow. um, it's been a blessing working with her. She's been um, she's been a really incredible person to work with and collaborate with. Um, yeah. And same thing with Timor Ellison. You know, he's he's really great. Like, it's, it's unusual for two composers that play the same instrument to work together. But it's just so great because we just, we're not trying to outdo each other. We just let each other do what we do and we just make it happen. And it's just a lot of fun, you know? And I think, I think in this day and age um, with the social climate being so aware of, you know, how, you know, you know, you're dealing with racism and you're dealing with all these different social problems, issues that we're still having. Um, Mm -hmm. When you see people come together from different backgrounds and they're working together and really um, trying to figure something out together, I think that's a a space that I love to be in because um, there's strength Mm -hmm. in numbers. And also, um, which is one of the reasons why I started this event called Producer Mondays, because Producer Mondays, you know, is a is an event that I created where I wanted to create a space for artists to a safe space for artists to just create. And I really treat it like it's a studio session, but with a live audience, you know, which is pretty much what it is. And I really love to use music as um you know, as a as a weapon to bring people together, you know what I mean? And it's mm-hmm. like, you know, you know, it's like, you know, music is a healer, you know what I mean? With all the pain that people are going through, all the trauma that people deal with, um, 
trying to live in this world where you know we're being we're being different is is um ridiculed upon um and i really um anyway i just love that that amy is of the same mindset where she just really tries to support everybody and she tries right. to give everybody a chance you know what i mean and uh you need you need allies like that you know you need allies right you know? And I know you recorded it at the Electric Lady, the the legendary Electric Lady Studios Ooh. in New York, with an all star yeah. lineup. And, and uh, I'm sure the creativity was was there. But well, I I listen, I watched the show and listening to it, it just feels like not forced. It like everything, like just like with I, I feel like the same thing with too. Like everything, the way you create. Is is just my, like the way you were talking about describing <laughs> the jazz, like how you do that. It was like how do you create like that? Like the the way you, the the measures I would hear them, they flowed, and it was just a natural thing. It just felt authentic, like it fit the series. It didn't feel like it was off. But how how was it in terms of just the creativity with all those musicians and all those creatives uh, creating this the film, the music score for this soundtrack? How did that all gel together with all you musicians? Um, well, first of all, I mean, the, all those guys that played on the record were, are, are my friends, you know, I've known right. for years, you know, Ben Williams, come on, ain't nobody mm -hmm. better than Ben. Man, Ben is so solid on bass. And he's also, mm -hmm. um, I'll say this, um, the thing that I love about the musicians that played on the record is there was no fucking ego in the room. Right. Everybody's a bad motherfucker, but everybody was so cool. You know what I'm saying? Mm -hmm. And wasn't no egos. Mm -hmm. You know, from Eric Harlan. I mean, you can't you can't find a drummer that's more diverse than he and and such a such a fun loving guy. You know, Eric Harlan mm -hmm. is, is incredible. Ben Williams. Myron Walden, oh my God, Myron, what can there's nothing that I can't say enough about this this brother who who um is always gracious every time I call him to play on the record. You know, he's always um showing up and, and giving a thousand percent. Sean Jones, that was uh that was actually my first time working with him in the studio. I mean, he's one he's one of the best. You know, I I love working with him and Bridget Everett. It was my first time work, meeting her and working with her. She was incredible. Um, and Nia Felder was awesome. And of course, my my writing partner, Timur Ellison. It was amazing. Just being in the studio, it just went. I'm going to tell you this. When I first, I, oh, I say this. One mm -hmm. thing, one thing I will say is I've recently discovered that from now on, if I have an idea, I'm not second guessing it because whenever I have an idea, it always, cause you know, I feel like, I feel like creativity comes from God. You know what I'm saying? Mm -hmm. I feel like it comes from the universe. It's just like, all you have to do is just sit and sit still and just let, and just listen. And the, the universe will talk God, whatever you want to call it, that thing that's, that's out there that mm -hmm. is that's connecting everything. It just sends you mm -hmm. ideas, sends you messages, and I get these messages from on high. And and one message when I was making the score with Timo for Life and Beth, I said, "Yo, Tim, 
this score is crazy. This should be a soundtrack. Mm-hmm. And, right. and you know, and you and then I said that, and then all of a sudden the production company was like, hey man, we want to do we'd love to score, we would love to release it as a soundtrack. I need you know, mm-hmm. I didn't say that to anybody right. else other than him. You know what I mean? Right. So mm-hmm. he, even in the studio, like I just knew, okay, if I get Ben, Eric, Myron, and Sean together, it's gonna be a problem. You know, I just knew that those were the guys that needed to this record. You know, um, anyway. But the the point being that you you have to trust yourself, and you have to like, you have to move without fear. Of anything, you mm-hmm. know what I'm saying, and so that's, right. that was uh, that was really beautiful about that whole experience. Just being able to be present um, mm-hmm. and just let the let God in the room. You know, He was in the room yes. that day. I tell you, He was definitely in the room because uh, what a vibe, what a vibe. I want to know um, in terms of everything, like in, everything encompassing that you've done. Is there anything that you didn't uh, in the past that your is your approach different from uh, how you do it presently? Yes, 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 yes. Um, so one thing that's that's one thing that's been um, great is finding a balance between um, working and self care. So what I mean by self-care is, you know, I recently, um, for the past couple of years, I recently got into training, you know, physical fitness, mm-hmm. you know, working out. And so um, I've mm-hmm. added that as a part of my brand and also using meditation and also just really trusting yourself. You know what I'm saying? Because I feel like when I was coming up, I didn't really trust myself. I it was very like, very um, sort of, self-doubting and sort of like i don't know if i can do it kind of thing and and quite honestly if you don't believe you can do it nobody else will and so but i've learned to really um listen to myself trust myself and to follow my gut and to just really move without motherfucking fear you know what i'm saying and that's fear fear like you know not taking a chance and being scared to make moves that's yeah that's one thing I will never give into, you know what I mean? So um, that's, yeah. So anyway, I move without fear right now. So. Right. And this is my last question before I play this uh, game that I do on this podcast. My last question is, uh, I guess in that same vein, but what's the focus now? I mean, what was the focus when you started versus uh, the focus now as a veteran musician? Mm. Um. Uh. So the focus now is, um, the the focus before I think was to to just be seen, mm-hmm. you know, and to be heard. You know, I think that's that was the focus before. I mean, and I also, you know, always loved music. But you know, as a kid, you want to be on a gig. You want to be, you know what I mean. You want to, you want to work, mm-hmm. and you want, you want that award. You want to, you want to win that prize. 
So mm-hmm. now for me, the focus really is to um, twofold to number one, to be, to always, um, to always be, to reach, try to reach my higher self and develop and also to use music to connect the world and really like train. I really want to change the industry. I really want to change the way artists see themselves. I really want to change the way artists brand themselves. I really want mm-hmm. to really inspire people to move um, without fear towards their dreams, you know? And, and for me, it's like, I'm doing everything. You know what I mean? It's like, I'm, you know, working on film scoring, you know, I want, I have a TV show idea, you know, for producer Mondays, you know, that I want to do. It's like, I'm, I'm doing everything, you know, I'm working on a symphonic work right now that, you know, um, that's definitely kicking my ass, you know what I mean? So for me, it's just, you know, it's just learning and learning and learning and executing and executing and building and building a dream board, vision board, visualizing what I want and executing. That's the right. so as a veteran musician now, it's laser focus. You know mm-hmm. what I'm saying? And um, and you know, and of course, you know, make some make some nice amount of money. <laughs> right. That's that's yeah. always that's yeah. always a good focus. <laughs> make the change, oh. change change my life, you know what I'm saying? <laughs> right. I said that was my last question all the but oh well. Well, uh, this with film oh, scoring. Do you do you watch the the? Because I know people. I know uh, Babyface was uh, talk when he did his uh, film scoring with Waiting to Excel soundtrack. He said he watched the the and I think with Boomerang too. Uh, he watched the the scenes in the the movie. Uh, was that your process as well, or how was it creating that soundtrack? Did you watch the movie first, or was it just creating it or getting the vibe of the theme of the show? No, you definitely. I definitely scored a picture. Okay. Yeah, is that what you're talking about? Do I, the way that I, the, my writing process? Yes. Yeah. Yes. Just watch. Yeah. Just yeah, watch. I, yeah. Definitely. Definitely scoring a picture, and also, and also, I, I mean, I watch a lot of old movies, and I and I really analyze the the you know the the music, especially like Spike Lee. I love Spike. Terrence Blanchard, man. Mm-hmm. I love, loved, love Terrence Blanchard and um and Spike in those movies, you know. Um, anyway, so I definitely, you know, am a student of, of film world, you know, film music. So, um, but uh, yeah, I hope I answered your question. <laughs> yeah, you did. You answered yeah. it. I, yeah. I play this game with all the the guests. Uh, it's called the "What's Wrong with You" game. It's kind of self explanatory. It's an either or game up the rules as i go let me just say that off top i make them up as i go uh the pretty okay. much the base of the game is it's not necessarily vocal comparison or musician or producer comparison it's just who do you play more on your playlist and it's two artists like you just which one you play more and so the first one no don't be nervous it's 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 it's, it, it, it's pretty easy but the first one is marvin gay or teddy pendergrass marvin gay okay the next whispers or the OJs? Whispers. Okay. The next one is Prince or Rick James? <laughs> Prince. I love Rick James. See, those though. are all right. The, I, I put them two together because it's easy to do MJ versus Prince. I feel like that's boring. You know, 
Prince and Rick James was more of a, you know, a comparison music wise because, you know, the mu- musicality and songwriting, whatever, it matched right. up. But those were all trick questions. Those were bonuses. Either one you went with, you would got it right. But this part yeah. of the game, you have to get all these right or you get a what's wrong with you. So no pressure. Uh, this one is Michael <laughs> Jackson. <laughs> this was Michael Jackson specific off the wall or thriller. Ooh, why you going through that? Oh my god. Off the wall or thriller? Yes. Hmm. I say off the wall. Okay. Listen, you didn't get what's wrong with you on that. You wall. got it right. It's perfect. No, nope. yeah, that record. Ooh, the horn. Yes. Oh, the strings. Oh, anyway. Hmm. Yes. Tipperton. He did stay in Lewis Johnson. Yeah. Right. Lewis Johnson. They but they did the production on both, but it's just something about off the wall. It got the 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 quality of blackness that I like, you know. And, and you know, and you know yeah. I don't quote me on this, but I think um when Michael wanted when when Michael wanted Quincy to to produce off the wall, the record company didn't want him because they thought he was too jazzy. Mm, I, I heard that too. Yeah, I heard they that. Said Quincy was too jazzy. <laughs> and then another fun fact, I think I think um they were working on the mixes for off the wall and they did like i want to say a like a, a hundred mixes mm-hmm. and michael was and i i think i remember hearing them saying that uh someone was saying that michael was crying oh you you ruined my record you ruined the record <laughs> <laughs> i don't like it you know <laughs> some shit like that michael i heard that so too yeah. right but then they ended up going with they, what they ended up doing, going with was the very first mix. Anyway, okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. And, yeah it was a Sheila E. You know, special special shout out to her. She did on the uh, "Don't Stop Till You Get Enough." She did the percussion on that. Mm-hmm. She said she she, she said good. she did like random stuff. Like she had like a Fine. random tapping on. It was like that's so cool, but yeah, yeah so cool. off the wall. You picked off the wall, so you didn't get it. What's wrong with you on that? This one is very divisive, but I'm gonna say it anyway. Uh, okay. Miss Aretha or Miss Patty? Mm, Aretha. Okay. Uh, so you didn't you didn't pick what I pick because the rules of the games you got to pick what I pick. So since you didn't pick what I pick. You got at least 20 seconds. I usually give people 15, but I'm going to give you 20 seconds to mm-hmm. at least. I'm going to be nice and give you three. I usually say five, but give me three Aretha songs in, in, in 20 seconds. Uh, respect. Um, uh, respect. Uh, damn, this is tough. Uh, Amazing Grace. Okay. Um, and um, and uh, rose, a rose without a, a rose, rose petal, a rose without a rose. Rose, the rose is still a rose. Rose is still a okay. rose. Yeah, yeah. You know what? Since I didn't specify that uh, songs that you, since the rules is, I make up the rules as I go. And since I didn't <laughs> clarify uh, songs on your playlist, on your personal playlist, because it took you a while to, because <laughs> if it's, you should know it off the bat. But since I didn't clarify it, you're not gonna yeah, get it. What's yeah. wrong with you? But. You're going to get negative 17 points because you're supposed to say Patty. That's just the rules of the game. That's and how, you know, I, you, know, you know. You know, it's funny. I do. 
I do love me some Patty, uh, Patty LaBelle. And my father was a huge Patty LaBelle fan because my father sang as well. And, yeah. and he loved, he just loved her, her stage presence. You know mm -hmm. what I mean? And my father, yeah, my father would, man, when my father was saying, he would shut it down just like Patty. So, so just in general, you listen to more Aretha songs than Patty. That's just all the clarification I need. You listen to more Aretha than no, Patty. That's I, all I, I need to know. Miss Patty. Aretha's, Aretha's such a diva. You know what I mean? I just went with just the legend, you know, off the legend. No, I mean? no, that's not the rules. The rules is what, who do you listen to more of on your playlist? Yeah. You listen to more Aretha, Miss Aretha. And so, oh, you know, what? okay, hey, I can hey, take it. Hey, wait, wait, wait. I'll give you this one Aretha song that's Joe. Dinef, those don't decide. I don't know the words. Yeah. Oh, that Millie. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, that's the channel. Listen, Aretha got it. She got it. Rock Steady, Daydreaming. Those are the joints. I'm not this. People think that I'm dissing Miss Aretha. Is it? Listen, oh, I respect, I, I listen to, this is the Come this is the truth. The truth is I listen to way more Aretha albums than Miss Miss Patty. I listen yeah. to way more Aretha. Yo, I have, yeah, I, I have all of <laughs> But I just feel like Aretha is for in the house music. Like it's, it's not, oh, you know, right, you right, got right. the, you got some, oh, you know, the, the Caucasian, the, no, 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 the Caucasian, you know, you know corporate gigs you know you might play a, a respect and whatnot is very you know right, right, uh right. multi-dimensional song you know for the you know caucasian audience but you know i'm just saying miss patty you know you i think that's just my observation that people listen yeah. to more patty that's what the whole list is is that people listen to one artist more than the other if you just be honest but mm -hmm. that nevertheless you didn't get what's wrong with you like i said you just got negative 17 points because no, that's just the rules of the game you gotta pick what i pick so the next one the next one is brian mcknight or babyface Ooh, i say babyface there you go listen yeah. that one's always a toss-up because it's yeah he I has mean, a, a I, catalog you know, is crazy you know what's crazy Brian McKnight's son, Brian McKnight Jr., came mm -hmm. to my event producer Mondays. Oh, mm -hmm. oh yeah, he's a beast. Yo, mm -hmm. Brian mm -hmm. McKnight Jr. is not to be played with. He yeah. is mm -hmm. chilling just like his dad. I just man, I man, yeah. I love that guy. He's he's such shout a shout out artist. to him. And he's so yes. cool too. Real humble. Yeah. Yes. Well, I love yeah. listen. No, no shade on I love Brian, Brian McKnight's. His musicality, songwriter, musician. He's he's crazy on the keys, but Babyface, you know, you gotta say after seven, Mariah Carey, Karen White, it's a plethora yeah. of catalog. LaFace Records, legendary. Yeah. Produced. What's that song? If I, if I ever uh, if I ever lose your mind, Brian makes um, like songs. If I ever lose your oh, mind. Anytime. Yeah, yeah, anytime. And you know, country singers have been creating uh, R&B melodies off of his songs. So shout outs to Brian McKnight. I yeah. forgot the name of a country artist, but they redid Back at One some oh, years yeah. ago. Right, they, right. they just, He's yeah. A nice He's getting a nice yeah. check. <laughs> Hopefully, yes. Yeah. But yeah, the next one is SWV or Escape. 
Ooh, SWV. There you go. That's perfect. Bonus. Yeah. Bonuses. I was, on, I was on tour with. Oh them. yeah, you with the uh, Budweiser. Budweiser. Uh, <laughs> uh, uh, concert. I forgot the name. Festival. Yeah, yeah Budweiser Festival. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. And those Al Shut Heyman up. tours. Al Heyman. Oh. You know? Yeah, nice. Was, uh, SWV yeah. got the, they get the the KO every time. And um, and I met their producer. I met their producer recently. Uh, Brian, Brian no, Brian Morgan. Brian or, Wait, Brian Morgan. I thought uh, the one that did uh, Week. Yeah, and the rest of them on the first album. Yeah, Brian Morgan. Yeah. Bam! Woo. Shout out to them. I'm trying to get him on. Yeah, we're gonna get them all soon. Yeah, yeah, really cool cat. Fantastic. Yeah, uh, but yeah, that a bonus. This one is a bonus. Uh, well, I got two bonuses: Mary J. Blige or Faith Evans. Mm -hmm. Wow. <laughs> uh, I love me some Faith, but I would say Mary. Okay. You know what? Uh, I was wondering. Yeah. <laughs> Yes. Be happy. Right. <laughs> yeah. Oh my God. Yes. Uh, oh my God. I remember seeing I remember seeing her on tour. I was uh yeah, I was with Shy. And she would open up and 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 the thing that I the thing that I love about Mary, and you know it's wild. One time I was in the studio, I was in the I don't know how I was in the studio with with uh with uh Jerry Wonder. Wow. Mary J. Blige, she was working mm -hmm. on her album, and and it was Lenny Kravitz. So I'm sitting next to Lenny. I'm sitting next to Lenny Kravitz, and we're in the studio with Mary, and and she, her husband uh, was there, Kendall. They were married at the time, and she was mm -hmm. in the studio, and she would and she was killing. And she came back in, into the like. What y'all think? Did y'all like? I don't know if I really like. I was like, I'm looking at Lenny, like, yo, what's wrong with her? She's, she was amazing, and and I love the fact that that she's grown as an artist. Mm -hmm. You know what I'm saying? Because when you listen to her when she first came out, and you listen to her singing now, mm -hmm. it's it's like the growth is mm -hmm. is really great. You know. Right. Anyway, I I really I really really uh, admire Mary J. I really do. I've, I've worked with her a couple of times, you know, over the years. Right. She's amazing. Which, I, which I album was that? With huh? Oh, yeah. I said, which album was that that you worked on with her? Oh, I didn't uh, work on her albums, but I did. Oh, you were just there. What session? Yeah, did, what album was this? Shows, I did shows with her, like, in the Hamptons, like, private. Oh, okay. Yeah. Okay. And I was on tour well, with her, with D'Angelo. I, I was working with D'Angelo, and, okay. and they were both headlining. Okay. What what was it? The, the recent one uh, with D'Angelo. What year was it that you were torn with D'Angelo? Uh, Black Messiah. Black Messiah. Okay. Mm -hmm. You yeah. were you on the first leg of the tour? Cause um, yeah, yeah. Were you that? I was there. I went to two shows in, in Chicago and Dallas. You're in Dallas. Yeah. Listen, I'm so my brain is fried. <laughs> Yeah. It's like, cause I remember you Kenneth Waylon, you know, shout out to Jermaine Holmes. He's done, um, uh, he co-produced my musical thing with me, uh, for this podcast. Uh, me and uh -huh. him did it together. Uh, oh, Jermaine yeah. Holmes, shout out to him. And, uh, oh, you know what? I'm tripping. I'm tripping. I played with him in London. 
Okay, that's what I would because I would have seen it. I played with him. Yeah, I played with him in London. Okay. Yeah, we did. We did the London European tour. That's right. I didn't play with. Okay. That's what. That's what I was like. I was like, because I would have seen you. Because I was. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, But yeah, shout out that album. Yeah. I gotta get to Dallas and see my my cats. uh, uh, Bobby Sparks and and um Woo. and uh, my man um RC. Woo! I know them cats. They're, they're mm-hmm. bad. They're bad. They the last, I wanted you to pick Faith, but it's okay. That was a bonus. It don't count anyway. Oh, so well, get away. I love I love Mary. I love both of them equally. It's just you know, yeah. I, yeah. favorite. Yeah, but yeah. Um, Two legends. The, the the last one in the bonus is Earth, Wind, and Fire or the Ohio Players. Damn. Earth, Wind, and Fire. Okay. Got Listen, got this is the conclusion of the What's mm-hmm. Wrong With You game. And I have decided and concluded that there is nothing wrong with Mr. Ray Angry. <laughs> There's nothing wrong with you. <laughs> even in the you Thank picked Aretha, you. you know, even the negative seventeen yeah. points, you know, you yeah. use ace in the bonuses, so oh, you know, you got you. it right. And so, a consolation prize, I might cash up you something so you can get you something at the convenience store. I don't know if they still sell forty ounces or not, but I put something <laughs> on your cash app. I don't know I to where you get a two seventy five. I might, I might can send that to you on Cash App. But <laughs> thank you so much for joining me so on the Soul Savvyness podcast. Is there any? I know you're. Are you working on a second album, Ray Two? Uh, and if so, or whatever projects you're working on, what, what, when can we look out for that? So um, I'm working on Ray Angry uh, Two and Three currently, and I'm also um, getting ready to. Um, I scored this film called Descendant, which is about the last known living slave. You're gonna hear about this film. It did very well at the Sundance Film Festival this year. Okay. Um, Netflix bought it and also the Obamas, they uh, acquired the film as well. So I scored that and that's mm-hmm. gonna be coming out in the very near future. Um, and really excited about that because we're talking about, um, you know, you talk about me as a veteran musician, like it's amazing to be able to score something with such historical significance, you know what right. I mean. To me, that's being being able to be associated with that is like you know, it, it's, it means a lot to me. Um, and so yeah, so that's that's what I'm also working on. And then also producer Mondays, producer Ooh. Mondays. I have a single coming out called Interplanetary Love. I hope y'all are ready. Yes, yo. It's a this record. I'm so excited. Shout out to my my crew, Camilla, uh, Lex, Anwar, Kayo, Free. You know, shout out to New Blue. We have every Monday at, at New Blue One Five One in New York City. I host a a, um, a a live musical experience, which is not a jam session, but it's an open music form because when you say mm-hmm. jam session, that means one thing. It's definitely not a jam session, but right. it's definitely a space for creators to come and create and go off. And um, mm-hmm. and it's been a blessing doing that every Monday. If you ever in New York, you want to check it out because once you check it out, you you will, you will never be the same because it's, it's, it's a vibe. It's a serious vibe. And we're pushing the music right. forward. We got a sing- we got a record coming out soon. So, um, so I'm really excited about this this next phase. 
I said that was my last. I I I said it was gonna be my last question, but I got one more, and it's important. I feel like it's an important question. Yeah. I'm watching an interview of yours. You were talking about improvisation, learning, you know, and the develop that, and then you're arranging. I feel I don't I don't know how you feel about it, but do you feel improvisation is more harder than arranging, or do you think arranging is harder than Improvisation in terms of doing your thing, like I think, I think that we use certain muscle groups, certain muscle groups, um, more frequently than others, and I just feel like arranging is just a different muscle group, mm-hmm. and improv- imp- improvisation is a different type of muscle because arranging you can like look at something; it's sort of like you're a painter. Mm-hmm. You can, you know pull out some greens and red and mm, nah, I think I'm gonna now nah, I wanna you know whereas improvisation you sort of like on a roller coaster and you just sort of gotta like mm-hmm. create <laughs> you know what I mean mm-hmm. without without hesitation so mm-hmm. so the two are very different but very necessary so it's just different muscle groups you know and I think um you know it's it's best to use all of your brain and not just certain parts of it you know so right. i think that's the beauty of um of those two things but yeah they're totally different listen i i appreciate yeah. you take your time out of your schedule this was very impactful for me and just everything about um your career is inspiring and i think just just from a of a viewer point just just really looking at it i feel like even if you had triumphs and things you had to overcome, like still like a divine force in what you're doing, and you call it God, like you spirituality and God, but I just feel like it's a divine force in what you what you're doing, and it's inspiring. Like you know, because it's a I think it's a lot of musicians with the same journey. I think yours is just the persistence of doing what you want and i feel like that you're live you just you living is liberating and i feel like that's the key to life is just living and then you're going to find the liberation to do whatever the whatever the hell you want to do and i i appreciate you yeah. for that just uh, doing thank that you. thank you yeah you know um I, I will say this i would encourage anyone that that has a dream that wants to um see that dream come to life the only way it's going to happen is if you're consistent right you know you gotta you gotta wake up at five in the morning, you know, brush your teeth, you know, and get to work. You know what I mean? Or whatever time mm-hmm. you wake up, it has it has to be there has to be an intent. There has to be an intent set, you know, behind it has to be an intention an intention behind everything that you do and consistency along with being intent just equals um you getting to your dreams, you know. Uh, that much more, you know. So, and also, right. also being, uh, uh, also um, having faith that you can do it. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Right. Uh, I'll leave you with this Bible scripture that this that this uh, guy told me. I was like, I was like seven. I must have been six or seven years old. I was in this. I was inside church. This was after church and. Everybody was at, at my church. What they would do, they would have dinner after after service. Mm-hmm. And so, this one particular service, I was upstairs and I was trying to figure out the organ. And I was like, mm-hmm. oh, 
you know, trying to figure out what the draw bars. And I was just messing around. Mm -hmm. And this guy was sitting in the front row just watching me. And he said, do you know what faith is? I was like, yeah, faith is the sub substance of things, hope for the evidence of things. Mm -hmm. And I seen I was six years old. And he right. was like, no, that's not it. Mm -mm, that's not it. And I was like, what do you mean that's not it? And I was like, what, that, what are you talking about? And so we, he opened the Bible. And this one word, he said, now faith is the substance of things, hope for the evidence of things not seen. And to me, that meant that I have to practice faith now, not just when I feel like it. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. You know, sometimes man. you want to do something, you get frustrated. You're like, oh, man, you know. Oh, fuck this man I can't do this shit right. you know what I mean mm -hmm. and that, that that feeling cause everyone 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 goes through that everybody mm -hmm. oh did I just fuck this up you know and just being you know just you know just going with it and be like okay I, didn't, I don't quite understand this but I'm gonna keep going I'm gonna keep going you know and it's just mm -hmm. about being consistent like literally it's just about being consistent and just doing the work you know so that's that's amazing you yeah. you're hitting no, I have so many questions for you, but I feel like I gotta end it now. <laughs> okay. I save it for the next hopefully next time yeah. I'm you again. Right. And, yes. But you'll listen to Soul Savvy's podcast. Wanna thank, like I said, Mr. Ray Angry for taking time out of schedule to join me on this podcast. And you can I'm gonna have all his details. Uh you can check out the Hulu series with Amy Schumer, Life and Beth on Hulu. And the musical soundtrack, uh, you can, for Life uh, and uh, Beth, you can find it on every digital outlet. And also, you can angry.com to look for any details on where you can catch up with them. But once again, thank you for tuning in, and we're out. Whether you need to be comforted, soothed, or relaxed, soul savviness got you the ultimate getaway. You are listening to the Sounds of Soul Savviness podcast, where we are sure to put your mind, body, and soul at ease.